And I want to pick up on uh, a key thought that Danielle used out of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16 in particular, where the Apostle Paul says that um, we don't want to be tossed to and fro by different things and um, false teaching and all the rest of that. Sorry, I've just got to get myself sorted here. This, I dropped things as I came up. But we, we join together as the body of Christ in building each other up. And it's such a powerful thought. And I, it was so great just hearing again some of the key things that we are doing as a church in Grow and Community. And I, I've entitled this message based off that Ephesians 4 verse 16, uh, walking worthy. And I just want to give you a brief context for that. In the book of Ephesians, Paul spends the first three chapters talking about the wealth of God's work in Christ for us. I just want you to think of the wealth of Christ's work uh, that God performed through the Lord Jesus Christ for us. And it's the wonder of the grace drama, the wonder of salvation that Paul fills us with and describes in incredible detail. But then he pivots in the fourth chapter and says, now there's a practical outworking to this. But just let me remind you of, I think, two verses that kind of capture the wealth. Actually, it's three verses. Capture the wealth of what Christ has done for us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 7. Because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in heavenly realms. In Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages, He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expect, expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. I mean, that's worth reading over and over again. I'm not going to do it until it kind of sinks in this extraordinary wealth that was accomplished for our salvation, grace-driven, grace-filled, grace-poured out on us, the, the indescribable riches of grace. And then Paul pivots in chapter 4. He says, now, we need a worthy response to that. He has this, therefore, if you've been saved by grace, then you need to live worthy of the calling that you've been called to. William Bartley said, Christians are people who are drawn together because they owe a common debt to the goodness and grace of God. Now, it's not talking about God holding us over our heads. You owe me, you owe me. The indescribable riches of His grace. God doesn't do that. But He's saying if you get the grace, you will respond to that with thanksgiving. You'll respond to it. And so there's some attitudes that we need to take on in terms of living in this grace. Paul says, as a prisoner of the Lord then I urge you to live life worthy of the calling you have received. He says, I am 
bound to Christ. I live as a bond slave, as a prisoner. And he says, I'm urging you to respond to this grace by living a life worthy of what you've been called to. And in that, and I encourage you as kind of homework. Can you do that? Am I allowed to give out homework? I won't check up on you between you and Jesus. To just go home and read at least Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 16. And there's so much richness in this. There's so much fullness. I'm not going to try and touch it all. You'll be thankful. We're not going to go to lunchtime. It'll be all right. But I just want to pick up the ABCs of walking worthy. The ABC of walking worthy. The first thing that Paul jumps into when he says, I'm urging you as a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ that you walk worthy of the calling. He goes immediately to A for attitude. What attitude are you going to bring in response to the wealth that Christ has brought to your life and the riches of His grace? And he says, well, these are some of the things that I think are important. He says, Verse two to three, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Every one of those attitudes translates into an action towards others. And he says the goal is to maintain the unity of the Spirit. This is not human-driven unity. This is Spirit-led unity, empowered by the Holy Spirit, prompted by the Holy Spirit, encouraged by the work of the Spirit in your own hearts and life. That the outworking of the riches of His grace in your life. He says there's some attitudes that you can bring to bear as you engage with others. Humility, there's so much we could say about that. I'm just touching on this. It means putting Christ first, others second and self last. That's one way of describing humility. There's many other comments and verses and the rest of it. But, but in the context of what Paul is saying, the attitude you bring, instead of being selfish and self-centered, you put Christ first, you put others second, and you put yourself lost. And humility is not putting yourself down. I'm not going to get on attention on that, but I really just want to stress that. It's not pretending that you are worth a list. You are worth a lot. Christ died for you. He said, be gentle or meek is another translation. And it's not weakness, but instead of responding to things with aggression and with attitude, You come with a gentleness, a humility, an outworking of the way you engage with people, gentleness. And I love that the, what David says, he says, your gentleness has made you great. This almighty God, but when he engages with us, he's gentle towards us. Doesn't just wipe us out. He's gentle. He's tender towards us. He says, I want to see that in you when you engage with others. Patient or long-suffering. And literally, the, the Greek there means to be long-tempered. It doesn't mean you have a temper fit for a long time. Uh, our grandkids and their mind are left this morning. After two weeks, I'm exhausted. That's one of the reasons I'm sitting down today. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. But there were one or two little temper tantrums, not just by the 
by Linda. There were other, it was mainly the grandkids actually. No, Linda was fine. And it's not talking about having a long temper for it. It's just saying, be, take it a long time before you get angry. Just allow the work of the Spirit with the gift of patience. Been praying for patience because I have so many opportunities to be impatient. Anyway, we'll move on. Forbearance, and all of these things flow together, humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance. And I love the way that Paul says here, bear with one another in love. Sometimes you just got to put up with the person sitting next to you or the table on the other side because you weren't even going to talk to them. You sat on that side instead of that side, you know. None of that ever happens in your life, does it? does occasionally in mine. This is just bear with each other. Don't be intolerant with each other. You know, in a society that values so-called tolerance, it seems we become more intolerant of others. And he says, no, don't be like that. And it means accepting their uniqueness. And dare I say, without justifying bad behaviour, also their weaknesses. None of us are perfect and we all have little foibles and odd things. And there's some things need to be challenged. And we can't ride on our weaknesses and, and not admit them or, or apologise for what they do in other people's lives. But again, allowing people space to grow, because that's Paul's big goal in this, that we keep growing. And then he says, make every effort or endeavour is another way it's translated, to maintain the unity of the Spirit. And I just want you to notice that unity doesn't just happen. Yeah, it's spirit-led and all these qualities are there. But he said, you've got to sometimes work. It's an endeavour to keep on the same page, glorifying Christ through everything you seek to do as a community of faith. You've got to put a bit of effort in. And it seems to me that a tragic people get offended, they just go. You know, you here, so I'm not having a go at you. You here. But, but it's just, this thing, oh, well, I'll just find somewhere else. No, you'll keep running into the same thing. You, you know, if you can change states as much as you want if you're in the school system, you're not going to graduate until you pass whatever. Now, I know it's incredibly confusing in Australia because every state has a different way of measuring. But basically, whatever that level is, you're not going to get to the next level until you pass. And, and you can keep jumping around as a Christian, but God's going to keep bringing you back to the same lesson until you learn it and you pass and then you have to relearn it sometimes at another level but that's another thing and then the finally this peace the bond of peace and literally the word that that phrase bond of peace can be translated to put a belt around things and I kind of like that it's the bond of peace is that the belt that stops the church's pants from falling down I didn't know if I was going to go there but I thought I would it just, what's this mental picture? This thing, this bond of peace kind of ties everything together. This girdle that ties these qualities together so we can function and be effective. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. So that's the A, the other two aren't as long, so relax. The, the B of the ABC of walking worthy is to belong. Paul says there is one body, one spirit, 
Just as you were called to one hope when when you called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is over all and through all and in all. But I just want you to highlight that thought, there is one body. And I know the body of Christ manifests itself across the planet in so many different ways and mostly wonderful ways, unique differences in the way we do things. But as a church, we're also one body, one expression of the body of Christ. And we are called to belong. When you say yes to Jesus, your sins are forgiven and you're cleansed, you're given the gift of eternal life. Grace is poured into your life. But you are also baptised into the body of Christ. You are called to belong to the body of Christ. And the Apostle Paul talks more about the body of Christ than any of the other disciples. And yet he never saw Jesus in his earthly ministry. There's no record of it. But he had an encounter with Jesus when he was persecuting the church, locking people up, having people executed, having people punished, businesses being destroyed or confiscated. He now has letters of authority to pursue Christians. He's just overseeing the execution of the church's first martyr, Stephen. And on the Damascus road, Jesus appears to him, knocks him off his horse. He sees this vision and hears the voice of Jesus. And Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then in blindness, he gets led to Damascus. And a timid believer, an obedient one, Ananias, gets asked to go and pray for him so that his eyes would be opened. He's just had an encounter with Jesus. Couldn't he do it a one-stop shop? But Paul's learning something here. And I love Ananias when he hears the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Go here, here, and there's a man there. And he says, Lord, do you know who that man is? <laughs> just, just checking, Lord. He's the one that's killing us. He's the one that's arresting us. And Paul has sat in three days of darkness with the words of Jesus echoing in his heart and mind. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I think it's in that moment, Paul begins to get a revelation of the body of Christ. If you touch the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. And it's powerful. And this vision, this idea, this understanding of the body of Christ. And so Paul talks about it more than any of the other disciples. And Paul sort of communicates in Ephesians and other places God's vision for the church, a new society displaying love, unity, diversity and growing in maturity. And these are the characteristics of walking worthy of the calling to which God has called us. In Ephesians 4.15, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Okay, that we're on this journey of growing. And you and I need to take responsibility for our spiritual growth. And that's what I loved about some of what Danielle was able to share in just a snapshot. There are so many opportunities for every single one of us to take a next step. The internship program, doing a course through Alpha Cruces, one of the other courses that are led, getting engaged in a life group, getting engaged in a serve team. There's just so much that, and each of us have the responsibility to say, how am I going to grow this year? What am I going to do to keep maturing in Christ? 
Colossians 2 verse 67. Now, just as you trusted in Christ to save you, trust him too for each day's problems. Live in vital union with him. Let your roots grow down into him and draw up nourishment from him so that you go on growing in the Lord. Did did you catch that? So you go on growing in the Lord and become strong and vigorous in the truth that you were taught. Let your lives overflow with joy and thanksgiving for all he has done. So A, the attitudes we talked about, B, the belonging, and C, we're called to make a contribution, to add value to the body of Christ. Ephesians 4, 16, which is where Daniel started and I'm finishing. He, that is Jesus, makes the whole body fit together perfectly. The verse doesn't end there. Doesn't end there. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. That's what he does. But listen to what we do. As each part does its own special work. And it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. We all love that last bit. We want to be a part of something that's healthy, growing and full of love, don't we? But for that to happen, each one of us has to do our own special work with a heart for others. It's not just about me accumulating knowledge and that kind of thought of maturity. It's me doing something and growing so that I can help you grow and then he fits us all together. It's just such a powerful verse. See, God desires that growth is the dynamic movement of your life and my life. I'm going to say that again. God desires that growth is the dynamic movement of your and my life, of our lives. And I think the Apostle Paul kind of leans over the balustrades of heaven, having written Ephesians, and sometimes looks at us and says, oh, would you please just grow up? Would you please grow up? And I say that with affection, tongue in cheek, but also with a thing, what are you going to do this year to keep growing up in Christ, to bring the right attitude, to have that real sense of belonging and connection, and then to make a contribution, the ABC of walking worthy of the calling, of the grace that's being poured out to you. Now, you may be in a place where you've actually never, ever said yes to Jesus. And we've talked about that moment of being connected to Christ, the forgiveness, the gift of eternal life, the grace that's poured into your life. But it requires you to do something, and that's simply to receive Jesus as Lord and Saviour. He did all the work. He's not asking you to work for your salvation. He's asking you to respond to what he's done. 